Hi, you're listening to the sermon recording podcast of Awaken Church. Awaken is a church of missional communities whose vision is to see individuals experience healing through the gospel, be raised to their fullest potential among community, and sent out to live a life on mission. You can find out more online at awakenvb.com. And if you live in Hampton Roads, we invite you to check out our worship gathering in the Haygood area of Virginia Beach, Saturday evenings at 5 p.m. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Jeff. Hey, guys, as we uh, continue on our series, we've been doing a series called Family Talk, and uh, it's been exciting. One thing I love about this series, Family Talk, is the fact that we're family. When we gather around here, Connie said the very first week when we talk about family, it's not just a biological unit, but it's those that pull ourselves together like this. And so when I talk about Awaken, I never say congregation, I never say church, I always say church family, because that's what we are. And so we talk about this tonight, we're going to be talking about this whole concept called discipling our kids, and that sounds, that might sound a little weird. If you're like me, I hear that phrase, hey Steve, you need to disciple your kids. I'm thinking, they don't want me doing that. My kids are already messed up enough. They don't need me to do that, right? You know? And it just sounds like such a scary term when you say that. And so I thought about that. If I was to ask you, if you hear the word disciple, or I got to disciple my kids, what do you think of when you hear that? What comes to mind? Like Jesus and 12 people sitting around a circle? What comes to your mind? Anybody? You hear the word disciple. Disciple your kids. I heard something. Okay, discipline, we're going we're gonna to keep them together, we're going to discipline them. It, it comes off the same word like that, doesn't it, right? This concept of discipline. Well, the idea is, uh, it's not some mystical, magical term. Here's how I think of it. It helps me understand it. Because if I think, if I'm supposed to disciple somebody or disciple my kids, that means I got all the answers, right? And I'm going to help them. Well, here's, I'll let you in a big secret. I don't have all the answers. Matter of fact, I have very few answers. I have a lot of questions, and I've made lots of mistakes. So what happens is, discipleship or discipling our kids, it's nothing mystical. It usually means this. As we walk down this path, and this pathway we call life, we walk down, we're a few steps ahead, a few steps beyond maybe where our kids or somebody else is at. And what discipleship is when it comes to your kids is just simply reaching back and saying, hey, let me take your hand, and let's just walk together, and let's use this path together. That's what it is. It's nothing mystical, it's nothing scary, it's just doing life together on a path, two people. Uh, And sometimes, if you have more than that, more, right, with our kids, but it's doing it together. Here's the reality. Connie said this in the very first week. She said, the goal, uh, God's goal for our family is to give and receive love in our family. The problem is, we're often dysfunctional. As I thought about this tonight, this whole idea of discipling our kids, the idea is that the truth is, I don't have all the answers. The truth is, I'm broken, my kids are broken, and we live in a broken world. And so because of that, we have a hard time trying to navigate our way through some of that. And so tonight, we're going to try and look at just maybe a a few principles or a few ideas that will help us down this this pathway here. Um, You know, and, and in light of like my own brokenness and light of the brokenness of our community right now, 
I think this topic, as we're looking at this, it's the idea we're going to be looking at dis- discipling our kids, but also in the greater context of community. As we do that, how appropriate on a night like tonight with the devastation and tragedy that just occurred yesterday, that we think about this whole process and how God might use us in our brokenness and with our baggage. One thing, when we walk into a family, go to start a family, we all walk in carrying some baggage, right? And uh, whether we like to admit or not, we have baggage. And usually we spend most of our life taking our baggage and trying to give it to our kids. That's the way it usually works, right? So we're going to try to learn how to process some of this and what it means to get past some of my own brokenness, some of my own baggage, so that maybe God can use us in a way that will help us. So the question is this, how do I effectively disciple or walk this path of life with my kids and in the context of community? So over the years, like I said, you learn a lot by making mistakes. So I made lots of mistakes. We did a lot of things the wrong way. But thank God, in the process, we did some things the right way too. So I'm going to share with you t- today, some of the, tonight I should say, some of the things that we've learned in the process, my wife and I, and really the community in which I'm part of in the process. As a matter of fact, the very first thing I'm going to share is something I learned from my friend Dave back there. Dave has been uh, one of the anchors of our children's ministry for a lot of years, and he preaches at us all the time of this whole idea of the context of being present in kids' lives. So that's going to be my first thought tonight. Thank you, David, for that. I appreciate that. He's pounded that into my thick skull over the years. But the idea of presence. So there's a passage of Scripture I want to look at. It's found in Isaiah 40, chapter 11. It's an Old Testament passage to a prophet named Isaiah. And what in the world does it have to do with the idea of being present? But that passage is going to come up on the screen. I want you to be able to look at this. We're going to sort of break it down two different parts and try to check this. Here we go. Okay, it says this. He tends his flock like a shepherd. So I want you to think about that first part because we're going we're to stop there, hit the second part later. We're going to read the whole thing now why it's up on the screen but he tends his flock like a shepherd he gathers his lambs in his arms he carries them close to his heart he gently leads those that are young this is an old testament passage that screams this concept of discipling and taking somebody and walking down the path hand in hand with somebody else so we're going to look at that very first part it talks about this idea of shepherding now, the shepherd analogy is in Scripture a lot. It's pretty amazing. And the more you get to know about shepherds, the more you see, wow, no wonder God says, hey, I'm like a shepherd to my sheep and my people. And Jesus in the New Testament said what? I am the good what? Shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for his flock. Jesus often compared, he told a parable about a shepherd that had 100 sheep. And when he got back to the fold that night and he counted them all, there was 99 but one was missing. So he went and tricked, he left the 99 safe in the fold, and he went and searched out desperately to find the one that was missing. That's the concept, right? So they tell me, I've, I've never tried to shepherd a sheep before, right? I've seen them. I think I petted them once or twice, but I've never tried to actually work with them. They tell me that you can't herd sheep. You can't push them. They just go everywhere. The sheep are pretty stupid. Is that true, right? And no analogy to our children, okay? But, yeah, the sheep are pretty stupid. They fall easily, and they wander off easily. Actually, it sort of reminds me about half the men in this room, right? That, that would be me included. That happens easily. So with these sheep, 
they, they don't respond to someone pushing them. They respond to someone leading them. They say a shepherd can walk into a fold and all the sheep are there from different flocks. He'll yell out and the ones that are his will follow and follow him where he goes. It's a wonderful picture of discipleship with our kids. But here's the thing. That doesn't happen without the, the concept of being present. I have to be present in my kids' lives. As a community, we need to be present in our children's lives in order to have any type of impact or order to walk with them down this path we call life. So what does it mean to be present in our kids' life? It means that I show up consistently. I'm regularly a part of their lives. We live in a day and age where it's easy to just not show up. There's so much going on. We're so stressed. It's so crazy. But if I'm going to be uh, present in their life, I have to show up consistently consistently like the shepherd the shepherd's always there it was predictable he showed up every day he slept out in the fields with his sheep he took the sheep wherever he had to wherever they needed to go found good grazing for them the shepherd was already always there and jesus said he said hey i'll never leave you i'll never forsake you that's the picture of the shepherd always present so as we disciple our kids, whether it be in our children's ministry, whether it be in our community, or whether it be in our families, as we disciple them, presence is a big deal. Now for me, I'm just going to share a few stories tonight. So for me, being present was a big deal. The way I'm wired up and the way my emotions work, being present's a big deal. So as a kid growing up, uh, I really struggled. You may not, if you know me now, you may not believe this. When I was a kid, I was really, really shy. I wouldn't talk to anybody. I would hide in the corner, and I quit everything I started. And the reason I did that is because I was very insecure, and I had no self-confidence, and I, because I felt that I really wasn't loved or cared for. Now, for me, I looked to my dad. I wanted my dad to be there and be there for me. My dad really wasn't part of my life. He was home a lot, but he wasn't present in my life. My dad also had a really hard time with saying the words, I love you. We'll talk about it a little bit later on, but I was 25 years old the first time I ever heard my dad tell me he loved me. He said it once or twice, and he hasn't really said it since, but it was a tragic time, sort of like this in our family. My youngest brother was killed in a motorcycle accident, and for about three weeks, my dad could utter the words, I love you. But for me, that left a void. It left me feeling very insecure. And so my wife and I, came from different situations. She came from a dysfunctional family that had some abuse in that family, verbally, physically, those kind of things. And her only worth was established by what she accomplished. And if you didn't accomplish it, you weren't worth much. So both of us struggled. So we decided when we got married, we got married young and dumb. We had kids right away. And we decided when we got married, one thing our kids are never going to wonder, does mom and dad love them? And we're going to be a part of their lives. And so by being present, we were able to be in their lives and connect with them in a way. We sort of, because we were so young when we got married, we sort of grew up together. And according to my wife, I still haven't grown up yet, but I'm working on that. I'm working on that. My grandkids don't help out much, though, because when I play with them, I'm a kid again. You know how that goes. But we sort of grew up together. But the idea was I did not want my kids growing up and saying, boy, I wonder if Dad loves me. I wanted my kids to know it. And so because of that, being present was such a big deal. So being present means I show up consistently. 
But it also means I show up emotionally, right? I engage. I can be present. Like if you sit around me when I'm watching a movie or watching TV, you can ask my wife, okay, I'm engaged in that show and pandemonium can happen around me and I don't even know it, right? I'm just, I'm not engaged. I'm, I'm locked in on that TV screen. I'm watching the show. And after a while, they have to walk in front of the TV and so like wave or shut it off or scream my name. And huh, what? And then they'll get my attention. So I can be present and not be engaged. So in order to effectively disciple our kids and walk down this path, we have to be predictively and consistently present. We have to do it emotionally. Look what uh, it says in the second half of that verse. I, we're not going to have it on the screen. I'm just going to read it to you. It says this, He gathers the lambs in his arms. This is, this is an emotional connection. He carries them close to his heart, and he gently leads those that have young. Now, this is a crazy I use this verse a lot of times when I'm visiting somebody in the hospital and getting ready to have surgery, and they're going to be put under anesthesia. And I'll read this verse and say, just picture this. Just picture that this chair came loose. But just picture that here's Jesus, right? He sits down, and it says he sort of gathers them around and just put, puts them on his lap. It says he wraps his arms around him and pulls him close. So just imagine a child sitting there with, this, with their chest, their ear, their head against your chest, and they can hear your heartbeat. See, that's the image I get of God with us. That's connecting emotionally there. He's all about those emotions and gathers in there. And so I, I tell them, I said, hey, when you're going to surgery, give me anesthesia, think about this image. And as you're falling asleep and you're losing consciousness, I want the last thing you think about is this picture because that'll be the first thing you think about when you wake up. And it's so powerful because I think it's a picture of what it means to be present in our lives and engaged. Why is this so important? Because presence over time matters. Yeah, you can miss a game here or there. You can miss things that happen, and things, things just happen in life, right? That can happen. But presence over time makes a difference. It's that, that whole investment, in fact, as we keep investing in the lives of our kids. So we need to be present in their life, and it matters because presence over time makes a difference. We also have to, I'm going to encourage you to this, we learn to speak truth into their heart. Speak truth into their heart. They hear lies everywhere. If you watch TV, if you hear the shows, that can, there's lies everywhere. Their friends tell them lies. The world tells them lies. Advertisers tell them lies. It's everywhere. This is a lesson that I really learned through my wife. As my wife went through some counseling and worked through some things, she, she was, got pounded in her head, quit believing the lies. Believe the truth. And after a while, I, I've heard her say this so many times. Hey, where I'm believing a lie, or she tells somebody else, you're believing a lie. And you begin to focus in on what's true. So if we're going to disciple our kids, not only do we have to be present, we need to speak truth into their heart. In Deuteronomy 6, it's one of these passages of love that's going to pop up here on the, on the screen. I'm just going to read it. Yeah, it says this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. It goes on. These commands I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Tie them as symbols in your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So you look at this passage. Again, this is an Old Testament passage 
talking to the, the children of Israel as they were sort of being mentored or discipled by their spiritual leaders and by God in the context of community as they were going through that. So I'm going to break that down a little bit. Uh, we don't have time to dig into it really deep, but the idea of that first part, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commands I give you today are to be on your heart. So when we speak truth, we want to speak up in their lives about love. We want to speak up. Like Connie said, it's giving and receiving love is God's design for us. We need to model that. We need to understand that God loves me. I need to love him. As we let God's love flow, flow through us, it can impact in a very positive way, not only our kids, but our extended family. We're a conduit for God's love to, to flow out. And in this whole concept of discipling our kids and, and working on, on our kids and helping them walk down that path, we need to do that in the context of letting God's love flow through us, letting God's words f- flow through us. Um, it's, it's a powerful thing. It, it's modeling it, and it's challenging because it means that I have to understand that I'm worthy to be loved by the maker and the creator of the universe. I'm worthy to be loved by the one who died to pay the price for my soul. And if you're like me, that's hard to take sometimes because for so long I felt I was unworthy. But God loves us, not because I'm so great, but because he is so great and because he loves so much. And that because of that, he is able to love me and I can believe that truth and speak that truth into their lives. So not only do I want to speak about love, but I want you to catch this part. I want to speak about character. I want to speak about character. The rust second half of that verse says this. It says, impress it on, their, on your children. Talk about it. I call this teachable moments, right? Talk about it when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. You know, have it around your home like this. Symbols on your head, symbols on your forehead, symbols in your door frames, in your houses, things like that. The idea that this idea of character happens in the context of presence and it's teachable moments. It's like throughout your day and throughout your home, Talk about character versus accomplishment. So I told you my wife grew up in a home where her value was based upon her performance. And if you didn't perform, you weren't valued that much. And after a while, it doesn't matter how good you are, you're not going to be able to keep up that peak performance for your whole life. It's not going to happen. So if your value is based on your looks, we get old and they fade. If your value is based upon your performance, we get old and they fade, right? If your value's based upon what you have, it can be gone in a moment. We have to help our kids understand that their value and worth is not based upon what they do, but who they are, okay? As we do that, that's discipleship. As we do that, that walks them down the path. I remember um, uh, when we tell, I, to, I told you that for me, it was a big deal in our home that, that our kids knew that mom and dad loved them. Because I would hear that from my mom, and she would tell me, yeah, your dad loves you. He won't tell you that. He can't say it, but your dad loves you. But as me, it just, it just, I always struggle with that. I mean, that's just how I am. I'm sorry. I, I just struggle with that. And so we made a point. So we would tell kids constantly, always tell them how much we love them, give them hugs, give them kisses, that kind of stuff. We wanted our kids to know that they were loved. We played this little game with them. We'd walk up to them and say, and they're little, say, hey, guess what? And they're like, what? I say, I love you. And they're like, oh, yeah, I know it, Dad. You know? And after you do that over and over and over again, they sort of get a bit, a bit annoyed. 
It's like dad jokes, you know, that get really sad and really bad, you know. So after a while, you walk up and you say, hey, guys, guess what? And they go, I know, you love us, right? And even though they sort of mocked me in the process, I thought, yes. They get it. They know it. I didn't know that. I wasn't sure. My kids know, and I wanted them to know, and that's the point. I wanted them to know that they would be, that, that mom and dad loved them, never be there. Laura and I did it all the time with our kids. And people would walk up sometimes and say, wow, it's just amazing. You know, it seems like you got high school kids and they still kiss you and, say, and give you a hug at night or something. They said, yeah, that's just the way we raised our kids. But I think it, I, I, but inside I'm going, yes. Because I want my kids to know. I wanted my kids to know that. So we speak up um, about love and we speak up about character. Uh, one of the things that I do, it, it here talked about this idea of uh, teachable moments. How many of you have ever had to brush out the hair of a daughter, a granddaughter, or a little kid? Anybody ever done that? Sometimes it's like, it's like you're torching them, right? Ah, torch them, right? I have the special touch, all right? So I don't remember so much when Connie was little. When Carrie was, I remember I used to brush her hair a lot, and I do it with my grandkids, my granddaughters. I brush, boys, they don't need it, but the granddaughters, right? But here's one thing. Every time I go to brush their hair, I just sit there. Guess what? They're captive, and they can't move. And I'm right there brushing their hair, and I can speak truth right into their heart. I can say, wow, your hair is so beautiful. This is great. Or I just love the fact that you're so creative. Or as you're brushing hair and you're trying to get the tangles out, oops, sorry about that. You know, hey, I just love this. And you begin to talk and speak to their soul and speak to their spirit. Back in Forge Kids, in the nursery, in the preschool area, if you're in the nursery, uh, we have these little prayer cards that we give those who serve in the nursery. And when they're back there, we encourage them just to pray over the kids that you're there. Maybe they're an infant or maybe they're one years old. You know, they're not even understand what you're saying. But I believe that when you speak and you pray into that, you, it goes right to their spirit. The Holy Spirit activates our words into their hearts because they need to know deep inside that they are loved, that God loves them, and that there is a, a unique relationship between them and the one who created them. So we need to be present in our lives. We need to speak truth in their hearts. And the, the last point I want to touch here is this. We need to live in spiritual community with them. Now, I didn't say without them. We need to live in spiritual community with them. With them. 2 Timothy, two, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. It's going to pop up in the verse. This is a story. It's about a family. It says this. This is Paul writing to a guy named Timothy who is now the pastor of this church. And he is so impressed by the, Timothy's family. He says this. I'm reminded of your sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother Lois and your, and your mother Eunice, I'm also persuaded, now lives in you also. So here's a guy that had legacy deposited into his life by his family members. Okay, now, these were his biological parents, a biological family, of course. But in the context of our awakened family, the same thing can happen. We speak truth into our family. We live in spiritual community. And we do that by connecting with those people who will influence alongside of us. This is one thing we love with working with Forge Kids in the back, is we realize parents have the greatest influence in their child's life, for the good or for negative. Our job in Forge Kids is to come alongside parents 
and say the same thing with a different voice or say the same thing in a different way. How many of you have ever had your kids and you've talked to them and they just don't get it, right? All of a sudden, somebody else comes up and says the same thing you were saying and all of a sudden they're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. You're like, dude, I've been saying that forever and you don't get it, you know, and it drives us crazy. But on the other hand, we can say, yeah. See, that's community because they pick up where I'm not or they say it in a different way than I do or their voice just touches a different chord than mine does. And we work together in community. That's why we need each other. We, we can't be in this isolated, I've got it all together kind of thing. I'm gonna take care of it. I'm gonna just run, run my show and take care of my kids. We can't do that. We need community. Families need you and you need those families. It's just so, so important that we do that together. Um, we all need spiritual community who will influence our kids in a different way and our kids need different voices uh, in their lives saying the same things that we do to influence and impact that in their lives. So, but we also not only need to connect up with those who influence alongside of us, finally we need to connect up with those who are gifted differently than us. There's a passage in Ephesians that awaken, we spent a lot of time in this passage, we call it APEST, but it talks about how God builds the church. You're going to see it up here on the, on the screen. And in here, it reminds us, it says this, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, pastors, and teachers. That acrostic for us is APEST, A-P-E-S-T. And he's given that for this reason, to equip his people for works of service so the body of Christ may be built up. Until we all reach unity in the faith. See, there's this maturing aspect here, right? Until we all reach maturity in the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So there's this maturing discipling and growing process which happens in the context of community because here's one thing i've learned and this much can be true you might have heard the saying someone say hey i believe there is a god and i'm not him well this is almost the same kind of thing it's this hey everybody has received a gift from god but nobody has received them all and because of that we need each other desperately in order to effectively fulfill the role that God has placed us in. Role as parents, role as, as awakened family, role as community when we go to disciple and raise and work with our kids. So nobody has all the answers, and we all need each other. So when we look around, I, I, things I didn't understand when I was raising my oldest kids that I understand now is that we were different. Like, for example... I'm a, I was the guy who's gifted more like a shepherd, trying to raise a daughter who was raised more like a prophet. And so when she would call things out, at the time I'm thinking, that's just being defiant. So therefore, I'm going to squash that, right? I didn't realize until we had people in our lives who could speak into community, from community who could speak into that, help me understand the value of who they were and how they were wired and put together. So anyway, it's just, uh, it's incredible. We need each other. Community is so, so important. Um, I'm going to sort of close off with this analogy. Picture this. This is just an aisle going down here. Imagine this is a bowling alley. So a couple of weeks ago, we took, we went with Mike and Connie, took the grandkids, went out to the bowling alley to go bowling. 
And Caden and Silas are the youngest ones. We asked them, hey, do you guys want us to put the little bumpers up? So when you throw the bowling ball down, it doesn't go in the gutter, right? So of course the kids said what? Uh, they said what? Of course? Eventually, if they said, no, I got this. I don't need this. Are you sure? Yeah, yeah, we'll put down. So we put the bumpers down, they put them up, and the first set, about 99% of the balls went where, right? Right in the gutter, right? And they're like, Doo! little Silas, he throws it down there. He's like, you know, walking off in the gutter. Buddy, you want to put the, the, the bumpers up for you? No, I got this. No, nope, I can do it. And down there. And so after the first game, he might have got like 10 points, you know, if <laughs> was lucky. If someone snuck in there and threw a ball and he wasn't looking, he got a little bit more. But it wasn't very good. So the second game, we said, hey, bud, you want us to put the bumpers up for you? He's like, okay, okay. So we put the bumpers up, and guess what? They had way more fun because it didn't matter where they threw the ball. It ricocheted down. It knocked something down, right? Every time they threw the ball, they knocked something down. But if it wasn't for those bumpers, it wouldn't happen. So I want you to think about this. Those bumpers, that picture, it's like here's us and our family. We're a bumper on one side, right? as our kids are trying to, to throw that ball down there. But what we need is we need community on the other side of that rail, going down there, keeping it together. It takes both. I can't be on both sides of that gutter, both sides of the alley. But we take our efforts, we take our community efforts, and we have living in community this whole concept of working together with our kids and our kids growing together spiritually. So as we sort of wrap this up, we're talking about this concept of discipling our kids. It, doesn't, it, it happens in the context of presence. It also happens in, happens in the context of community. Discipling our kids is a pathway we navigate. It only happens in the context of being present. It allows us to speak truth into their hearts and influence the li- their lives over time. But I want you to catch this. I'm just going to read it because I want to make sure you get this. It says, God's design is for this to happen in the beauty and diversity of spiritual community. God's design is for this to happen in the beauty and the diversity of spiritual community. Why is this so important? Because presence over time matters. Words over time matter. Influence over time matters. And that's how we walk that path called discipleship. Lord Jesus, we thank you that we could be here tonight. We thank you that we as a community and a family can gather. It's a, it's, a, it's a tragic time. It's a scary time. But it also reminds us how much we need each other. It reminds us how much you love us and, and how much pain is caused by those who seek to do evil. Father, we pray that as we as a community have engaged with your word, have worked through this process, God, that we through this series of family talk, we'll realize what it means just to walk down that path of discipleship, just to walk down that path, to grab the hand of our kids, to grab the hand of that loved one and say, hey, just walk with me. I don't have all the answers. I'm just walking down the path a couple steps ahead of you and see how you might impact and change us all. God, help us to be present in the lives of our kids and families. God, help us to be able to be involved in spiritual community. And God, help us to be able to speak truth and life to our kids. And through that, Father, you may be honored and glorified and our kids may understand what it means to have a loving Savior who loves them 
and provides for them. We love you, Father. Thank you for loving us. Help us to worship you tonight in truth and in power. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.